Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 195 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. We have Steve Basic here joining us in uh, this episode. But before we get to him, I just invite you to click the like button if you enjoy these episodes. Um, and if uh, uh, you want to get the show more exposure, consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, because we've got a few more before we hit 200 and take off uh, for the rest of uh, close down season three, uh, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute uh, guest uh, changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next few weeks on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. As this is a live show, uh, I have moderator Anthony in the YouTube chat collecting questions for Steve. So we'll be able to get those to him halfway uh, through the show. Just uh, he'll, Anthony will give those to me, and then I'll pass them on to Steve. Steve Basic, Camulus on Stargate SG-1, also Major Cobra. Is it basic or botchic? Well, it basic uh, in terms of, well, we, like, since I was a kid, that's how we asked people to, to in the, in the um, American-Canadian version, but in the Croatian version, ah. it's botchic. Botchic. That's yeah. so much cooler. Botchic. I actually had a, one of my first conventions was in, uh, I believe it was England. Uh, I'd never been on a stage before. First day I bombed. They, I was, I was on Andromeda. I hadn't been on, it was a Stargate convention. <laughs> and uh, they just brought me on as a special guest with the others, with the Stargate people. But I was on Andromeda. I'd done one or two Stargate. Yeah. Substantial. And it was crickets and tumbleweeds. Uh, I was. I've never done. I haven't done live theater in years, and so it was 800 people. And when when they announced that Terrell was going to be doing signings in another room, almost all 800 of them left. So the next day, uh, I had someone who was my my assistant, I guess, or I'll call him a close friend, bring me a bottle of uh, Crown Royal, and I just sat on the stage and I said, "I'm going to have a good time, regardless of who shows up." But one of the things I did was that question, how, how do you pronounce your name, uh, came up. And I said, well, why don't we get half the group to say Ba, and with the <laughs> other half to do Cheek, right? And so that that became in the thing. And, and because we're in England, they like to do chants. So after that, it was after that it was, uh, it was just like home. The, the convention crowd, Steve, is just, uh, it, it is a, a beast all on its own. And Terrell, especially in terms of the Stargate audience, Terrell commands that crowd. Like, she says jump, they say how high. And she has this energy of it. I, I can understand why if that came up, then everyone just kind of kind of cleared out for sure. But I remember you at, uh, at GateCon uh, a few years ago. 
and you were talking about, you know, they asked me to come on again, be a god, wear a skirt, you know, why not? And I must say, from one man to another, there's not many guys who can pull off a skirt. You you did that well. It's just another Friday night. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. Having a good time. Sweet party, you know? Right? <laughs> hey, Candy, he'll look great in that, on that floor. Just get some beers in him, get some beers in everyone else. I think Cab Canula's had a, had a dark, like, his dark side is the opposite. So he's always dark and, and, and manipulative and, and evil. But the other side of him is, is he's like a seven-year-old girl. <laughs> Just wants to play. Right. A little hopscotch, you know, do a little drawing, play with butterflies, pet puppies. <laughs> so when Amulus after dark is like the most innocent thing you could ever imagine. So, yeah. Yeah, it's in my mind. Absolutely, I can just see him get in front of an Xbox, an Xbox, playing with the guys, you know, drinking some beer, maybe doing some beer pong. Absolutely, wearing the skirt. You know, I would have done like a puppet show. I would have gone to a puppet show. So live, <laughs> you know, nothing. You know, just so far removed from from his evil ways and power mongering. Yeah, I obviously want to get back to the sci-fi stuff in a few moments here. But Steve, you sent me this this trailer. Um, yeah. For I is it called Sonata? Did I lose you? I'm right here. Can you hear? Yeah, sure. Take your time. I don't see. Okay, let's see here. Uh, there you are. Are we good? Technical difficulties. Snake. I see you now. This is why people go to NASCAR for the crashes. They turn into. They, actually, yeah. So not is 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 Moonlight Sonata is the score that I I oh. went with for the trailer because there's no royalties it's it's an older piece right okay. so i had a couple of uh, i was playing with the music for the trailer and, and the one i sent you was moonlight sonata but the, the the movie itself is called a shrink a flat and a broken key wow okay a shrink a flat and a broken key <laughs> which are basically the elements that 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 are in i want to before we go any any further into this uh, I want to uh, play this trailer. Now, you act in this film. Are you involved in any other way as well? Oh, absolutely. Everything from Inception to... We'll, go, we'll get into that story later, but uh, yeah, from Inception. And right now, we're, we're, we're in the process in frustration of trying to deliver it. It's 99.9% done, as you and I spoke about earlier. And... and um, yeah, it's 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 a beast, and and from you know I've I've been I've mostly my, most of my career has been as an actor, uh, but as I try this producing stuff and creating stuff, uh, I hear more and more from people who know that just to get it completed, just to get a forget about selling it, forget about festivals, but just to be able to complete a project is 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 a beast. And then the next parts get even harder because you're, you know, you're trying to get somebody else. Well, there we go again. I'm having such difficulty with my my setup here. You're good on my end. Yeah, yeah. It's just some of these, some of the, it's going to fall. I'll be up. You're going to see the ceiling. Any <laughs> okay. This. I might scream. I'm just trying to keep this tape on. It's it's a it's such a bad setup. But anyway, um, so. But I mean, I refuse to let it let it die, and I, part of my soul says let it die because it is so painful. But I did go from Inception. 
I had a, a screenwriter who we would go back and forth and, and he did the technical aspects of the writing. And then when I sort of, we wrote it about, I'd say about eight, nine years ago. And then and COVID happened and I shot another film, which, which I wrote with James Phillips, who, who we, we were on a series together, The Guard. He was one of the, the writers on that. And I'd worked with him on Arctic Air. He was a producer, writer, and we, we've maintained a good friendship, good re- working relationship. We came up with Alter, which was released on Tubi uh, over the last year, and now it's going to different platforms. So what I was doing was creating concepts that were contained, that if I had a nickel, I could maybe make it. Yeah. That was the idea. Um, because I started making micro-budget movies in the States, and they were like, you know, quarter million. And I go, okay, well, you know, I've been involved in some not-so-great films that are a million two. And I go, these are actually better. And I, I'm, I'm going, it's a no-brainer. I, this should make money. Was okay. I ever wrong? They don't make money. Somebody else is making the money. You, you There's so many angles where someone can screw you over. And maybe even not because of the, they want to, but there's so many ways to lose money. And so with these projects that I was doing, I decided not to bring any investors in at all. And I just did it on my own dime because I, did, I didn't want to be responsible for someone else's loss. If I was going to lose something, even with this one, the trailer you're going to show, I had to do a, a calculation on was I to lose the money and time, because there's there, uh, you know, there's a loose. You, you're only as good as, as as your weakest link, and and one of the people that I really relied on, he, you know, it, you just don't know what you're going to get. Right. You get close to the extreme, they disappear. It's it's the weirdest thing. Uh, um. So I I I have to convince myself that I did that calculation before I even hold the trigger on this on this film but anyways i'm talking a lot no it's okay i really want to show the trailer um and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about it um some more here uh let me go ahead and uh uh play this and then we'll be right back if you've got little kids watching it's it's pretty intense for the next couple of minutes here so keep that in mind when we go ahead and and play uh the trailer for uh steve's uh steve's film I think I did really good. You'll come to know me as 50. A runaway. If it wasn't for some bad luck, you might not know me at all. My goodness. Sweetheart, are you okay? I pray you never meet them. I'm sorry to bother you, but um, I had some car trouble down the road. The wolves in sheep's clothing. You want a beer? Sure. The demented who hide behind their god and their reason. Both local law enforcement and the FBI have enlisted my help as a profiler. Sound like you have all the answers to get away with murder. I do. Am I hearing this right? By me sparing your life, you're offering to school me to be a better killer. If that's okay with your mother. 
their sick love. I like to do more than just hold the camera this time. My story, this story, takes place because of a shrink, a flat, and a broken key. That is a shrink, a flat, and a broken key. And Steve, what's uh, what's your character's name in this? David Averbatch. Averbatch. Okay. I apologize if there's David Averbatch there. <laughs> that there shouldn't be. Yeah, there probably is, but I don't think so. We did so. We did. We did our research. And who who is this guy? That the trailer talks about him being um, having a kind of a unique background. To him, what what can you say after that? Well, he's on his way to uh, to to consult on a. There's a situation at one of the local penitentiaries. Oh, okay. one of the things he does forensics and and profiling and and that sort of stuff. He's so he's his passion is is the mind of the criminal and. But he also consults to see if there is uh, if the suicide at the prison was actually a suicide. He goes to investigate, and on the way out there, he he hits a flat tire. Um, so not that's not a big deal. But the problem is he's in the middle of nowhere. His key fob doesn't work, hence the broken key, and he can't get to his trunk. So he backtracks and goes to a uh, a farmhouse where he goes just to get possibly a a C battery or, or crowbar or something just to get it at the trunk. Problem is the wrong house. <laughs> God. And uh, he has to get look out of a situation. Yeah. They, I, I, I not surprised that you're, that the fob is, is a part of the, the situation of the story. I hate those darn things. And it's in situations like this where it's like, you know what? It's really going to do us in when you need to get access to your car and you're in an area yeah. with perhaps no cell phone coverage. What do you do? You walk right. and you walk. In, in, in the story, you'll see there is the cell phone coverage is a little bit broken, and and he tries to get a tow truck out, but the guy's a complete ass, and so all that is covered. And even there's a latch; the latch is broken. It's just a, it's just a, the perfect storm for him to be stuck. But you know, being a capable guy who deals with criminals for his whole career, he isn't that worried, and that's you know that that is also I want to give away too much of the story. Yeah. But he relies heavily on his uh, intelligence to 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 navigate the situation. Yeah, and I, I, again, I took this from Inception. Uh, technical writing was done, and then when I decided when I landed on because of COVID and a bunch of other things going on, and and the climate in Hollywood right now is you know you got to create your own work and mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I uh, I'm fortunate enough to keep working, um, I get bored in between things, and you know I'm. I want to be creative all the time. Um, so I I just thought, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bitch about the situation because a lot of people are bitching about getting somebody else to help them out of their situations. They're not willing to do any of the work. You know, it's always someone else's fault. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to be that. I mean, I'll do my fair share of bitching. But at the same time, if even in this particular case, yeah, it was a risk. People said, don't do it. Do with other people's money and 
you'll get this group involved, get that group involved, get guaranteed. You know, I'm like, it, that to me sounds like, that sounds like fear. And that sounds like the opposite of being creative. And I'm not, I'm not in this business to, to teach anyone or to, I'm, I want to entertain mm. and, and give, give my perspective as an artist on certain things. Uh, you know, you wouldn't tell Rembrandt or Picasso how to paint. And I think the industry today is telling them how to communicate their ideas. And I just think, from my perspective, that's the opposite of being creative. That's the opposite of uh, any sort of freedom, which art should be about freedom of expression, no matter what that expression is. Mm-hmm. And people can tune in. I don't care. I just don't want anyone telling me what to do. <laughs> right. Well, I do that enough like regular gig, you know, that's what's <laughs> abusive. It works. They tell you what to do, and I go, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. But, yeah, which, you know, and it's funny because in this particular scenario, um, because of budget, I'm involving people that don't have experience. And being a, a, an actor first, I want to share, and I want to be collaborative and remove ego, but then that ends up biting you in the butt because... They're so inexperienced, they don't know protocol. And all of a sudden, you got people that don't have experience telling you what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And now I've created a monster. So I always I always think I've got to do better the next one, but I never learn. Sorry, I'm just keep readjusting my tape here. No, you're good. I think it's I think it's important for you to take a risk on yourself and a creative vision and and you know say, you know what, I'm gonna do what I have to do. To, to give this project life and to, to give it, uh, yeah. to give something, birth to something that has some depth to it and has something to say. And that's a thriller. And that's something that you can, you can say, hey, you want to have a good time for 90 minutes to two hours? Let's, let's sh- sh- watch this. You'll, it'll take, it'll, it'll take you away. So, whoop. Are you still with me? Sorry, I, yeah. The, the thing fell like my worst nightmare. There uh, it's okay. You mean? Uh, not yet. There you are. There you are. Perfect. So this means for the next 50 minutes or whatever, I'm going to hold up my, uh, my tablet. Well, you look great from here. So as long as, as long as that's okay. Yeah, you're, you're good. Um, but I'm excited for you and you know, I, uh, please keep me in the loop on, on how this goes because I want to continue to, to promote it. And, um, and, uh, regardless of, of wherever it turns up, I want to, I want my audience to be able to see it yeah, for sure. And it was, I, uh, the other one, which is called Alter, I don't know where where the distributor is putting it next. It was on Tubi. I think it's coming back because, again, similar idea, thriller. You know, that particular theme is... So in A Shrink of Flat and Broken Key, we're dealing with uh, serial killers. Okay? Uh, mother's, mother and son team, mm-hmm. um, which is usual. And... And and it, it, there's there um, I don't know if there's subtle messages in there, but there's definitely some messages about hypocrisy and you know the morality and those sorts of things. And the other one, Alter, was was more dealing with uh, schizophrenia, mental illness in a different way, and possible possession. Wow! So you don't know what what's going on, and and I like to, you know create red herrings and do little twists and things like that in story. Cause I don't know if you need money to, to be creative. I don't think you need money to be creative. Look at Blair Witch. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's one of the, isn't it one of the, in terms of ratio, it's, it, it's, it gross some of the best money in terms of what cost mm-hmm. comes to 
gross revenue ratio. So it's if you have a good idea and you have the right platform and view, um, money is is not always the name of the game, you know. So if, no, if, uh, yeah, oftentimes the uh, uh, the the sequel is not as good as the original that had no money. Right, for sure. Yeah, Steve, can you? T- I'm gonna. Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's funny. I'm Anyways, a... okay. We must keep moving. Can you please uh, take me back to uh, your first audition with SG One with Major Coburn? How how long were you aware of Stargate? Had you seen any of it before? And tell me about getting that first uh, that first role. I think yeah, season actually, three. I read, I read for Tilk, believe it or not. You did. Yeah, when it first, and I remember um, not having any concept. Of, uh, I, you know, going back, and I don't remember a lot of things because you got—I got to keep my short-term and my long-term memory. You know, I got to delete things as I go. But I do remember going in for that, and I had this vest that was on one side. It was like uh, a, it was like leather, brown leather, and the inside it was this white sort of cottony fleece idea pretty thick interesting looking vest and i thought well you know if i turn this thing inside out and that's all i wore i just wore unzipped went in and you know you're always guessing what especially when the show hadn't aired yet i yep. had no con of it so you go in and you and, and it's it's almost laughable some of the things i did in audition rooms i mean if i could go back and talk to my younger self I go, you fool! One, get out of the business, and secondly, don't try. don't do that. That whatever it is that you're just affected to, your choices, don't do those. You know. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I was actually surprised. Um, I read I read quite a bit for the show, and, and for you know, composite composition and personal preference can keep people. Who are competent from certain shows. I, I I knew actors that never got on Stargate, and they were good actors, but for whatever reason, either someone didn't like them, or could be casting, could be one of the producers, whoever the power was, or perhaps they just looked too similar to someone on the show, and that often happens. That can work for you, and that can work against you, right? So, um, yeah. Do people just do some actors just audition poorly? Oh yeah, hell yeah! I think my auditioning was was my like my golf game. It was, sometimes it was a great shot, and sometimes it was just miserable and horrible. And and I I wouldn't I don't I'll knock wood here. I don't think these days I think I can turn in pretty decent work consistently because I have a better understanding of what's going on. Uh, it doesn't guarantee you anything though. It doesn't you're gonna get the role. Right. I remember some auditions like oh my god, uh, uh, I was. So embarrassed by him, and then you get the you're shortlisted, and you're you're gonna you're actually get the role. And what what are they thinking? But then you realize that they probably thought maybe you had a bad day, and they look at your resume, and you you're you're the right fit. So the business that we're in, there's no rhyme, there's no reason at all. And like I said, I wish my piece of advice to anyone that wants to get involved in anything creative. Don't ever go for an end result. Don't go for the job. Don't go for the finished painting. 
get it get it deeply involved in process whatever the process is be in the moment engage you know you do all your work but enjoy all the work and yeah you know, everybody even in my in my movies here everybody wants uh, their credit everyone wants the shiny object but no one was up with me at four o'clock in the morning doing rewrites right or 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 dealing with putting out fires or you know but everyone wants you know give me money give me this give me this give me this right. people don't want to do the work and and you know i said this conversation yesterday with someone this business is is uh it's i don't know what people think it is but it's it's hard it is very very hard and you gotta be mentally tough to deal with it you cannot rely on someone else's you know uh they think you're great cool they think you're all cool you know that doesn't matter don't make it about that you got to be aware you got to be up to me- you, you personally can measure it and go am i improving am i getting worse um, and you, and what do you measure it against it, again it's it's supposed to be art now i if i'm ever advising someone who wants to get in the business i read as many book many books on acting as you possibly can consider who you are mm-hmm. know who you are accept who you are and then share who you are well, from that center point, we can you can expand into anything, because everything's about personal per- perception, and the only way to alter personal perception is to know what your perception is. So often, people just work in these, you know, masks. We we're not really connected to anything, right? So I I go you, you get to know yourself, look at all the different techniques that they're trying to teach you, and figure out a way to tell the truth. Hmm. Period. And so whether you're re- you're reading for Coburn or Cambulus or whoever, you have to be at some point, somehow, through your emotional energy connected to that being and their truth through your truth. Wow. So technique, whatever that is, I don't care what the technique is, but there's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of fucked up, greedy people out there who... You know, create formulas, create, you know, they have their, their teachings, their books, their cults. And and a lot of them, they don't work. They don't work. And they're teaching people what to do. <laughs> it's insane, you know? So I was a victim to a few of those people. You know, and I was lucky that I ever worked because I believed some of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, does that make any sense? It does. You know, I I think, I think... Casting is purely subjective, and I think that um, I think you're giving some fair warnings as to what to expect. And I'm 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 delighted to hear that you that you read for the role of Teal, and I think that you made you would have made a good one. Um, so they they brought you in for for Coburn. What was it uh, like getting your feet wet into Stargate? It was already in season three at that point. Compared to some of the other stuff that you worked on, what was Stargate you like know, to experience? It was it, it was it was yeah. It wasn't much to do. Uh-huh. You know, there was the talk of coming. They always give you that thing of it's recurring. You know, you, you could develop into. And a lot of people, like I know a lot of people, either in Star or even my Andromeda or where, like I, I happen to be one of those stories where I just, you know, I, I gave one of the writers an idea season one and I came back season through the seasons and then as a major part in season four. Uh-huh. So I already, I already knew that there's always a possibility of more development. Uh, at that stage of my career, it was just happy to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a bigger concept of it. 
you know i didn't i didn't understand uh the scope of the show how, how popular it was going to become and you know it's it's one thing one of the as far as fan base goes it's extremely loyal fan base to this day i'm surprised they're not making movies continually still with stargate yeah that's that's the the rights and acquisition by amazon is a separate conversation but uh it's one of those where sooner or later it's got it's got so many legs that it's just a matter of time before it comes back in some other form so so exactly and that and you know they're they're gonna it's, i think taylor sheridan just has to do it thinking that taylor sheridan does he can make anything now it's like you know him is actually when i uh many years ago he was an acting coach he was an actor who also coached i was down in la and and uh i can't remember what i was reading for but one of my friends uh she'd recommended him because my agent was saying look you know you you're getting good feedback there's something missing everyone's getting coached go get a coach and taylor was the guy and he just gave me perspective of of the psychology of the room says what you're doing as you know performance is fine but what are you doing in the room and uh here's a guy that just now does what he wants to do it's incredible like after sicario i don't know he must have formed some really good relationships with key actors he read enough like again his body of work or his body of experience having helped so many actors was immense and he was able to apply that and execute so it's relationships, it's knowledge, it's timing, it's all these things. There might be another person like him out there that's got, you wouldn't even know about, mm-hmm. but because it's just that one little nudge, all of a sudden you're, you're you can green light, green light anything. Yeah, so once you go through a certain number of doors, it's like, well, you know, now you're at the next phase. So, for sure, exactly. And, and again, you know, I, but I was watching uh, an interview with Robert De Niro, and they're at this roundtable, and. His perspective, I really love, is because it's the same ideas. You never know, oh, like you never take it too seriously. You never take yourself too seriously because you could disappear like that in, in this industry. So never take anything for granted, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it's also good you know, life uh, policy as well. You know, day to day life. So we're we're just a blip in, in an immense vastness of nothing, and and the fact that we're sitting here and having this experience. Yeah, it's cool. You know, otherwise it's the abyss again, which is fine too. Exactly. Well, I prefer this to the abyss, but yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't remember the abyss. Right. That's hey, the can you see me? Send me a postcard. Yeah. I'm on my ignorant friend. That's funny. So, yeah, he's, on the other side. he's on the other side of the gate. Exactly. Steve, tell me about yeah. tell me about the Celtic god Camulus. What do you want to know? Um, I want to know what it was like to, to return to the show uh, for, for season eight. Um, what it was like being a part of that last round of gold who were really, you know, uh, the rats on the Titanic. They know their dominion is over and yeah. they know that they're in trouble and they are coming with hat in hand to Earth completely 180 degrees from what the gold were doing to them five years before right what was it like playing that part yeah what was it like playing the part ah well bedroom scenes like 
I would have liked to have been able to exp- like it to me. It was like a scab on a on a uh, just like a little scab on the body, and I only got to pick at it a little. Mm. I didn't get to play as much as I wanted to play, so I felt kind of unfulfilled. Okay, I just got to play Richard a little bit. We got to have a little bit of this and that, but that's ultimately when you, when, as an artist, as, as someone, uh, I'll give a hundred percent of whatever I got to whatever it is at the time. But ultimately, with that, I felt that there could have been so much more. And you know what it became, what that particular series of events and scenes, and what Camu- what he was going through, mm. was it was poker. It was a poker game. So that's how I approached it. You know, who's bluffing who? What can I get? But ultimately, I was at the mercy of, you know, whoever controlled the table. And it wasn't me anymore. I pretended it was me, but it wasn't me. So psychologically, that's where I went with it. And that that is always enjoyable. I mean, whenever you're, you know, you're an actor who's already like acting is pretending. And then in the pretending, you're pretending. So, yeah, that's how that's how I approach that. It was such a uh, a shock when uh, uh, Elizabeth Weir, played by Tori Higginson, comes down to the the cell, and he basically says to her, "Please don't send me back. I can I can be of use to yeah. you here." And it's like, whoa, this guy if he goes yeah. back through, he knows the ball's gonna kill him. He doesn't want to go back, right? It was like one of those moments where it's like this this is this is completely uncharted territory for us dealing with our arch enemy. Um that was wild and you you played it very you played it very convincingly. Well, that's the that's that's the goal, right? Like I said earlier, whatever the truth is for that character, for me, that's what that's what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And everything's got to be relatable. I I I was um you know, of course, also you're you're dealing with, you know, the 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 writers and the and the directors and and whatever their concept of it is. If they let you go, you just go, and that's that's when you got to have your work ready. Sometimes, sometimes when you when you don't have strong choices, and they just you think they're going to direct you, they don't. And then other times, you know, you'll have all your strong choices, but they'll redirect you. So you got to be ready for anything. Mm-hmm. But I try to I hate to say the word humanize him in his vulnerability in that moment because I have to connect with the other character to get what I want from anybody. I have to find something in them that sympathizes with me. Absolutely. So that's, that was the idea behind that scene and subsequent scenes after that. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, Camus ultimately, if he got what he wanted, he, he'd uh, mess shit up on earth as much as he could. <laughs> but once he negotiated way out of death and, Exile. If it wasn't exile, he would. Yeah, I don't think he'd ever learn. I, I would hope he would never learn and and never become a good guy, or good god, I should say. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not have allowed it. I would have had my little secret looks to the camera when the other characters trust me. <laughs> you know, you better not trust me. Even Ball, yeah. when he ended up on Earth, he was still more of a smarmy businessman. You know, the Gould, they're always going to have their secrets. So, and I always wonder what happened to Camulus when he took that ZPM and walked back through the Stargate. 
I wonder where he ended up, and I wonder just how long he survived wherever he ended up, because we don't hear from him after that. That's it. So someone someone yeah. cut him off. I think he's uh, uh, he's he should be in the sequel of Guardians of the Galaxy if they ever do another one. He's out there. You showed up, up in you showed up in Stargate Continuum. You know right. what a delight was that with all the all the other Gould Mardi Gras Part Two. Tell us about coming back for Continuum. Well, again, I think Martin Martin Wood was directing that one yeah. too. So by that point, by that point, everyone I I known I got to know the rest of the cast and and. Although I mean Martin directed us in Andromeda as well. I got to and I got to know the writers and producers. I'm still friends with a lot of them. Um, it was a blast. I mean, I, I, my my only regret with it was that I hadn't become part of that family a little sooner, and, and we we just couldn't play a little right. bit more. Right. And, and again, personally, I would I I liked so much of the cast and crew, and meant professionally, the scope of it, you know, it would would have been uh, very good for the career as well. You know, so how well did you know Cliff Simon? I'm, I'm sorry, got you broke up a little bit there. How how well did you know Cliff Simon? Who Cliff Simon Ball? Ah, uh, don't I don't really know. I just just to see him at conventions. I didn't really really know him. Okay, so we didn't re- we didn't hang out that that we didn't hang out like off that set, but. I'd see him again at conventions, but I'd never, I didn't really know him. Oh, okay. How well do you know him? Uh, well, he, he passed oh, away. He w- passed away if, uh, about uh, two and a half, I guess, years ago now. And uh, yeah, yeah, he passed right. away. Uh, was it, when was, when no, was his death? Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, hey, it's all right. Um, let me see when that was. March of 2021. So yeah, he's been gone uh, for uh, two years, three months now. It was devastating. Uh, the entire um, the entire Stargate community wept, um, and you know he was always considered um, uh, like in the same sphere uh, as as Camulus. So um, oh my god, when my birth dead on my birthday. Wow. Yeah, my. I have two birthdays. My actual birthday, not that, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, like, um, it's got nothing to do with me, but my actual birthday is March 9th. My legal is March 13th, which we get to later. But, yeah, of course, shit, there's Cliff right there. Yeah. He was, uh, it, it, it was it wind sailing, wind boarding. It was some kind of ocean activity. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was sudden. It was, well, I mean, you know, it wasn't like cancer or anything. And uh, it was wild. I had an interview with him scheduled uh, three days after he died and we had to scramble. I had to go on the air. My, my announcement video is still on dial. They gave me just sobbing my eyes out, having just heard like 15 minutes before that my guest for the weekend had just been killed. Um, and it's, it's one of those that, you know, just back to the point from earlier that you were saying, you know, you never know how long you got before you return to the abyss. So got it. Got it. Well, you know, the one thing I would say about that he he loved what he was doing. I know he loved. Uh, he was very adventurous, and and I know that we spent a lot of his time rescuing animals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he did a lot of things that were scary, and I think that's pretty amazing that he was able to go out that way. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who was who also he died at sixty two. He was a rigger on set, and 
he was he was very very active. He had but he started getting degenerative. Uh, his spine was affected. His shoulders were. He was a very like constantly happy, but his bones were giving out. Yeah. And then out of the blue, I find out Derek's dead. I'm like, what? But he was going down a run at Whistler, one of his favorite runs, one of his favorite things to do. And that's how he went out. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I I I think it's amazing that if you're if you're able to go when you're when you're doing something you love. Or you sleep. I don't know. One of those would be good, but oh, rest in peace, brother. Absolutely. So sad. No, yeah, absolutely. I it's if you have to choose between um debilitating illness or going out uh, or on on doing something that you love, I know what I would pick. Um and I guess that really comes down to everybody and you know what their definition of debilitating illness is. But um yeah, I uh I, I I I loved him. I miss him, and you know, you just never know how long you have. So, I've got a few questions from fans. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. That's like, that's kind of no. It's, it's it's all good. It's all good. Um, I I I appreciate um uh your your words for him. Yeah, it's uh, I I think uh, I think a lot of what you're saying is is very very true in terms of how we live our lives and and what it is that we. Uh, have to remember that we're here to accomplish before, or what we can choose to accomplish before we return to wherever else we came from. So, yeah. yeah. Lock Watcher says you played Coburn in three season three and four. Did you notice uh, anything different between how production was going earlier in the show before you returned to Camulus in season eight, or was it just like slipping back into the same production? Everything was running exactly the same. Um. I think the only difference was the level of knowing people mm. on set and the the familiarity. When I when I when I was when I was playing the uh, Coburn and uh, it was a little more nerves. So my perception of things was probably a little bit more stressful. And then playing um, Gowald and getting to wear that <laughs> beautiful wardrobe, <laughs> I, it's it was more me. It was more me. You know. Absolutely. I'm not a stiff, even though the character played, you know, tight, but there was, there was that mischief within him. And so I, I, for me personally, it was, it was definitely a lot more creative, relaxed and fun. Yeah. If I was doing straight on military, that sort of thing, I'd have to find, I'd have to find something within that character to keep me grounded. That wasn't just military. Yeah. So the yeah. character changed lot of how i perceived or or dealt with production absolutely um mac boland's conscious he wants to know um about uh raid was was your return to andromeda always i have not seen andromeda just so you know uh was uh was your return to andromeda i know it's on my list i have a long list Uh, was your return to Andromeda always planned and general maximus wants to know if you have any fond memories from uh, that production um no the the you know from season i was in a pilot for andromeda and they killed me and then uh i remember it was Wolf was the showrunner saying it's a shame we uh we're killing you because we really like you i'm like well it is sci-fi you could always bring me back as as my clone i actually threw that idea out there people laughed at me He's, oh you can't believe it because i didn't know robert from adam and he was like a big deal and uh uh, well, that's how they brought me back. So 
I came back in a couple of flashbacks, a couple of things, you know, right, exactly. So I, I had no idea, but I do remember when, when, uh, uh, I can't remember Keith's last name. They, they needed a replacement for, for him because he wasn't going to come back season four. And then it just, my, my ticket came up and I'm like, cool, let's, let's go. Keith Cobb? Yeah, Keith Hamilton Cobb. Wow. That is so cool. What a twist yeah. of fate. I love that um, between seasons four and five, I was doing a, a, a Civil War film and I, because uh, he was a lot stiffer a character, I guess, you know, shaped and I mean, he had a little goatee, but it was, it was really rigid, uptight. And between seasons, mm. he'd gone off somewhere, probably to the abyss, mm. became a raging addict of something or everything. His, the, the, his ideology had collapsed. Everything he believed in is gone. And then you find him on some, you know, in some bar somewhere. And now he's got a beard, long hair. And, and, and that was a lot of fun. Like got, getting to loosen it up a little bit and fight and really get into the, just some of the, the comedy of the character that I, I always love to try bringing comedy with the action. Uh, that, that became a treat. That was a lot of fun. We were talking about a spinoff show. As well with wow. with Kevin, um, yeah, yeah. That was the laughs were fun. I always loved going for laughs. I like getting and 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 they let me loose. Even when I was stiff, I tried to get a laugh. Of course, yeah. I some of my favorite moments, even in Continuum, are Camulus rolling his eyes like, <laughs> you know, he's just he's this far away from just pulling out pulling out something, just knocking everyone out. You know, it's like, I can't believe I'm having to deal with this right now. It's registering all over yeah. your face. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, there, there, was, there was so much of that, so much potential to keep going into something else. But I think Kevin wanted to go do a sitcom and a lot of it rode on, on his shoulders in terms of where we were going to go after that. And uh, so, again, you never know. And it goes whether in life or in the business one of the bad things about this business is factors uh, will bitch and complain about not having a gig. As soon as they get a gig, they want to go home. It's so funny. You know, when am I going to go home? It's like, you're fighting to get on this set. What are you doing, man? Enjoy it. Now you want to get out of here? Come on. Stick around. You may you may create something cool. It's, 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 we're nutty. People are nutty. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Um, uh, uh, Philip Kanat uh, wants to know, I, I don't know if this is in jest or not. Please tell us what is the fountain of youth you're drinking water from. <laughs> I think he thinks that you haven't aged at all. Or maybe you're in a sarcophagus. Yeah, it's a sarcophagus. But I got, you know, I'm graying. I've got, I've got my Andromeda mug here. Um, no, I mean, it actually became um, probably... I think it was summer of 2019. I started. Uh, I, I became vegan. Okay. Not, I'm not promoting it. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, for for personal health reasons. I think that's definitely helped me uh, regain some of my vitality. But you got to be a healthy vegan. Um, and I, I constantly am moving. I have to move. I, in fact, I, I, you know, when you were calling me, I was going to the gym. It, my back was tweaked a little bit. Um. And I, I had to loosen it up. It's driving me. I hate not being able to go work out full force. Right. And I'm not, and I'm like one of those people who 
it stays away from the help, the the tea, or the, not that there's anything that wrong with it, but a lot of people are on testosterone or growth, and I'm trying to do this as long as I can, just with my food and with activity. So, um, humor, you gotta laugh, the stress, and and you and you gotta move. If you, if you got stress, you gotta move. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's plus probably genetics. I'm just, my mom, my mom was in her mid eighties, and when she passed, and she was her skin was still great. Wow, that was amazing. I think there we had a little bit. Um, Mongolian in our genes. Okay. I'm from Croatia, but, you know, Genghis Khan came through that area and, you know, uh, I, I don't know if that's some of it. And I, I'm quite dark. I think I'm getting darker as I age. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. Plus the, the lighting in this room is actually really good. So trust me, I look like shit most of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's Fuck yeah. <laughs> Teresa. I wouldn't, I don't like looking. So, I apologize. No, you're. F- <laughs> That's funny, uh, Steve. If 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 you could have your choice of of anything to work on for like a for, for the full run of a TV series, what would your dream role be? Would you want to do more comedy? Would you want to do more drama, um, more science fiction? What would what would your focus be to sink your teeth into a, a character for five six seasons? I mean, I'm my own worst enemy, so. I like comfort, but I don't like comfort. Yeah. So yeah. I, I need, I think in, in the, in the wisdom of it to, to maintain, uh, awareness and moment to moment activity, I would love a, a role that constantly challenges me. So, you know, some of the hardest things to do is, is comedy and, and uh, and as well as the physical aspects of that. And I love, I love what I'm doing. I love, I love making things uh, as well as when I work on other productions. I try to infuse humor. I try to infuse some form of complexity if they allow it. I, I always dig sometimes a little too deep and sometimes I got to back off. So I don't know. I'd be one of those things where I I, I don't know if it, it would matter uh, the type of role, but it would be something where I'd have to collaborate. Mm. Ideally, I'd love to collaborate, you know? And, and my goal is never about self. I don't try to make the scene about my character. I try to, myself. I try to make it about the story. What is going to move the story forward? And it's, I mean, I know it's, it's self-proclaimed and selfishness, but I don't. I, I am selfish. I have no idea. But um, I, I something with a, with a little, not too much fighting, a little bit of action, mm-hmm. bit of comedy, and of course, I it there has to be a depth. Mm-hmm. There has to be a. A, a cost to it mm-hmm. you know that's uh, i used to actually, wanting to get invested as an audience if there's something to lose well they have to exactly it i think that the best stories are relatable to us mm-hmm. comedy is funniest when it's based in truth you know mm-hmm. and the the again the the the, the problem these days is that not allowed to be an actor anymore there, if everything's a type, are you this? Are you that? Are yeah. You, like, no, I'm, I, this is me personally. And even me personally is, is fluid. I, I, my, I don't like to identify as anything. I don't want to be considered, I want to be considered a human being. Mm-hmm. I want us all to consider each other as human beings. Now, when I go to work, my chosen profession is I want to play other people. I want to play other situations, you know? 
and and something that doesn't necessarily line up directly with my sensibility i want i want a little bit of a challenge yeah you, know? you should be allowed to be clay that can be molded into many different shapes it doesn't mean you can do anything that's, but why not pretty close that, that's the point of that's the point of art art is you know and this again this is show business but in this particular form what the audience experiences is is the actor on the screen behind the actor is the director writer producer yada 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 camera operators all the crew lunch lady and the, the whoever they're all there but what the audience is there to do is to see a story through them through the characters through through the, the sets of course so you got music you got dialogue you got uh the actors you got uh, you know even in the silence it's all designed but it's it's something to be interpreted individually and we're not there to just go oh that's a bad guy play bad guy that's a that's so and so gets to play so and so can't name names you know you got to it's like no we my job is to convince you that even though i don't seem this way then that's who i am that's my job I, and that's what I, that's what acting was but I, I don't know what it is anymore. I have no idea. I'll never forget no. watching Hairspray for the first time. And it said that John Travolta was in it. And I got I got to, I think I'm talking about Hairspray. And I got to, to the end of it, mm. and I looked at the folks I was watching it with, and I was like, where where was he? David, he was the, he was the mom. He was the mom. It's like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was him. <laughs> like you know that's that's yeah, the yeah. point you know that that you get you, sucked yeah. so far into it that it's nothing about you know who the person is in real life not about their gender or whatever it's what they've molded themselves yeah. to be for that project and that was so cool and i went back and watched it i'm like okay i can see him but i wasn't looking for him you know i think the problem is today i mean i, I maybe again this is like i'm the old guy saying i remember in my day but the problem is today that everybody with a phone is a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, let, let's just take a look at influencers, for example. The ones that can sustain it, they have to actually start creating yeah. content. And then you don't see ones that can sustain it for very, very long because to actually create content is hard. It becomes a skill set, right? So there's a few that have, that have gone and done very well and that they have a certain skill set. But just because an influencer or personality says something is just a thing. It's not. It's not. A, it's not based on a craft that that say an actor or musician or whoever, whatever art form you're talking about, even athletes or even good speech or anyone to to develop that mastery. Uh, there's a there's a. I think today there's a disrespect for process. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder most of the stuff we're seeing is shit mm. because they're not filling it with people who have earned that position. They're just filling it mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I don't disagree. I don't disagree with a lot of the ideology, but the sort of the application of that ideology doesn't work because people are greedy by nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so easy to forget that, that people are greedy. You put two people of similar, you know, background, gender, whatever, in the room, and they have to fight for a role. Trust me, they're not going to give a shit that they're similar. They're going to cut each other up. They're going to pull up the blades. 
Very few humans will lay down. I don't care if it's your, you know, it doesn't matter. The, it's it's sort of naive and and or it, it, it sometimes it's worse than naive. It's as if we the public are are supposed to believe all this bullshit, like something is better than something else. Yeah. It's all subject to interpretation. It's all subjective. So, yeah, and I want to be. I don't want to be in a in a situation where I'm being told by one extreme or another extreme how to think, what to believe. And the problem is most people are extremely lazy. I'm one of them where, where you go and go, oh, this is who I am. Oh, cool. I, I believe in that. But they don't look at the behind the person. They don't get the person's actions, their history, none of mm -hmm. it. Because it's convenient to believe what you see mm -hmm. it supports what you believe. And you don't want to, you don't want to, people don't want to question their beliefs. I'm like, no, do it. Question all of it. Don't take question anything for granted. Nothing, yeah. yeah, nothing, nothing is, gravity for now is pretty, pretty <laughs> it does, pretty, it does suck, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, gravity will suck, yeah, and it's good, I mean, otherwise we wouldn't be spinning around the sun, we'd be dead, we wouldn't be here, we wouldn't, we wouldn't exist, but I think that people have to, again, I think what, what the powers to be rely on is how lazy we are, yeah. because you can literally brand something, and that's the whole idea of brand is you trust it, you build this thing, and you go, identify with that, or this is my brand, or that's my gang, or that's my tribe. Well, for me, it's about human, uh -huh. human tribe. Even though I'm, I was you know, born in this country here, or it, it was Yugoslavia before, which was, uh -huh. which was a nightmare, it was socialist, it was really, really bad. You know, um, it, it that that doesn't identify me. Uh -huh. I, I'm, it's just where I'm from, uh -huh. um, I, and I love my country, but... You know, I realize that I'm not going to fight other people because that's where I'm from. I don't want to fight anybody. Because <laughs> we all got to get along. Yeah. Yeah, if we're going to make it. So. Absolutely. I completely agree. Teresa MC, um, what is your feeling about ad-libbing lines, um, straying from the the text a little bit? Is it something that, um, that you enjoy or do you feel like you, as long as it's being true yeah, to the text... Yeah, I, I, well, I do, I don't, I think it's irresponsible to do it if you haven't, like, for example, imagine you've spent six months writing a script and you've thought of the nuance, you've thought of the, the, you know, what everything means. And then you have someone coming in and go, right. oh, I'm just going to go willy nilly. And me as an actor, I've done that. <laughs> me as a writer, I've allowed that. But yeah, if it doesn't line up, with what my vision of it is as as the as the writer or director or whatever then i i, I will allow it because sometimes sometimes a fresh set of eyes is good but sometimes it's just because they're either too lazy or they don't understand the text or they haven't done the work and then i don't like it i'm very careful when i do it i i i did i just did a i just did a um a reboot of a show for hallmark and i was told by the director this is what i want this character to be i go so i read the script i go you might have to give you some notes because this doesn't the definition of that character is not evident in the script and we know that it, the editor is going to have a, a field day with this if i come in with something different uh. so they made some adjustments but then on the day i spoke to the other actor and i said you know for our characters to work we have to have some clear definition between your character and my character in terms of our relationship because we want some comedy in there as well mm -hmm. and that's only going to be clear if there's if there's clear boundaries right 
And then, of course, I will start, I will ad lib something at the beginning and I'll button the scene and usually I get a laugh off camera and it's good. So, but I do it in a way that there, are, are you okay with this? I, you always got to, I, I think to be respectful, check the temperature, make sure that, you know, is, is, you know, because once one person starts to do it, everyone <laughs> oh. not, they're not good at it. Yeah. Not that I'm always good at it. I'm, I mean, I'm okay at, at it. Um, because I look at the whole story. I don't just look at it. Well, this would be a clever line. You know, some of the worst things you can do to a story is put out a clever line because it doesn't line up with the story. It takes you out of the story, you know? So it's like you were saying, is it about you or is it not? You know, are you servicing the, 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 the story? A lot of actors, they won't learn their lines. Apparently they'll just, they'll come in and depending on the power, uh, power position, if it's their show, um, or they're, especially the comedy, they might, the director might just try this, try that, try that. And I like that. I mean, I, 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 I personally think I'm more creative out of structure, but the, but the greatest challenge is they create the structure for you. There's the building. You got to go live in it. Let's just see how you occupy this space. You do have some liberty, but not a lot. And then try to make the best of that. And it's, it's interesting, but it requires you not to be lazy. I think the best ad living comes from a place of you've got all the work done and now you now you can just be in the moment and if something comes up it comes up. But if they say nope, don't do that, you can fall back into the uh the proper dialogue and it doesn't throw you off. Yeah. Wow. But that's just sort of my process. Steve, before I let you go, one last question and you op- you open to this door. I'm really curious now about your birthday. What's the story behind that? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I was born in, it was former Yugoslavia at the time, and and a lot of people there, I think what the idea was, I don't even know, uh, is because you had to serve in the army. Sometimes they didn't give your birth date until a year later. And I came from, I came from a small village. So uh, the, I think the registrar is at least a few hours of walking away. And I think... Maybe it was just the day my dad went over and said, hey, I got another son. <laughs> it happened to be the 13th instead of the, I was born on the 9th, but the, my legal birthday is the 13th. Some people have, a, have one of my sisters has 10 days between her birthdays in, in two different months. Uh, other, the others apparently are, you know, three out of the five kids are, I think, have the real birthdays, but who knows? Wow. Yeah. We yeah. Don't, I don't know. That's wild. Yeah, yeah I, I was born on this day, but the document says this day. That's 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 wow. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't really care about that as much. You know, I used to care about it in college because I could party between the ninth and the thirteenth. I just let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll do. I have my birthday week. Oh my God, where's my damn gifts? Let's go. Five days of gifts. That's... Yeah, <laughs> didn't work out. I never I never got I never got that many gifts. Uh, that's funny. We got annoyed. Steve, this was yeah. this was really cool. I appreciate you taking so much time uh, to to talk about your work, and I'm really excited for for Shrink Flat and Broken Key. Did I get it right? A Shrink, a Flat, and a Broken Key. Because I, okay. I hope it. Uh, yeah, yeah, me. I'm. I'm I, it's uh, it's caused me a lot of stress these days. But uh, well, as an editor, I am here. You just you just let me know if if you might take a look at it. I'd be happy to. But uh, I I think that you know. You, you've you've got a vision and you've got 
Right, exactly. You've got a vision and you've got the commitment to see it through to the end. And you're going to take your licks and, and you're going to get through it. And you're going to come out the other end um, uh, a, a bigger, better person as a result, you know? So maybe. <laughs> right? We can all be helpful. I don't know, man. That's the thing. I don't know. It's just experiences, right? Yeah. But what well, doesn't kill you? like things that turn on. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. What'd you say? I said, cameras doesn't kill you. That's exactly. Let's want something else for me. <laughs> I'll get you eventually. Absolutely. Let me to my boy. There's, see this right here? Yes. Real quick. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my boy, Stipe Miocic. He was the UFC heavyweight champ. And I don't know if we have any UFC. He's from Cleveland, actually. You guys are, you're in Chicago, right? Uh, Nashville, but my family's from Chicago. You're in Nashville. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Anyways, he's also a fellow Croat, Croatian. And, and anyways, I always have, whatever I'm doing these things, I always have it. That's my background for whatever reason. But, uh, but he's a good guy and I want him to get another shot at the heavyweight championship. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Out before he retires. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Urias Tosh asked, did you ever consider becoming a pro wrestler? I played a pro wrestler. <laughs> I believe it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I actually never considered it. Those people are real athletes. Wow. I've worked with uh, uh, with the Miz, um, Mike. What's his, what was his last name? Miz. The Miz? God, he was in Marine. We did some Marine, uh, Marine something six. And uh, he was a real wrestler. My size, but... But they're tough as heck. I'm not tough. Wow. Yeah. Marine Six. Let me see here. Michael. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, the, the they call him the Miz or the Biz. Is it Shawn Michaels? The Mike, the Miz Mizanin. That's him. Yeah, and WWE superstars. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. One of those shows first, and then he went on to wrestling, and then he started doing movies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking uh the time and uh please stay in touch on this project. I'd love I'd love to yeah, yeah, yeah. promote it. I might I might pick your brain. Sure thing. We're you have my number. Come to Nashville, actually. Oh, that'd be great. You know we were supposed to come into Nashville. Okay. You know, we were supposed to come for for uh uh who, who who's it? creation. Creation is gonna have a Nashville event. That's right. We were we were for supernatural. And then it got pushed because of COVID, other reasons. And we we just did it last summer. No, it was was it this year. I think it was this year. Supernatural has a huge convention following. There there are fans who are ravenous for that show. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I had a pretty pretty funny episode in that one too. So yeah, (laughs) there you go. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up the show on this end, sir. Thank you again for your time. You take care of yourself, okay? All the best, and uh, to all the fans, God bless. Thank you, Steve. Be well. Steve Basic, Coburn and Camulus in Stargate SG-1, and also Raid in uh, Andromeda. I hope I'm pronouncing R-H-A-D-E. I think that that's uh, correct. Uh, Before we let you guys go, um, I want to make sure to answer the questions that were given to me here. Jacob Olihars, as a fan of Lost, have you seen from 
yet? And if yes, what do you think? What is from? So no, I have not from TV series. Let's have a look at this thing. From, stylized as as from, American science fiction horror television created by John Griffin for epics. Harold Perrineau is in it. All right. Um, Elon Bale. Okay. No, I have not seen this. It looks nightmarish town in middle of America that traps everyone who enters. Unwilling residents strive to stay alive and search for a way out, plagued by terrible nocturnal creatures in the surrounding forest. Okay. It actually it reminds me a lot of a, um, of a, uh, uh, I don't know, what was that show? Amazon, when Amazon was first toying with television series, they produced a pilot and it was actually really good. And it came out for one episode. The After. The After. That's what that reminds me of. It's it's very... kind of get that vibe from it. And um, it was created by Chris Carter, who did The X-Files. And he was trying to go for, like, Dante's levels of hell in the end of it. But that's, that's kind of... I will definitely check out from... Right now, I just... We're talking about Lost. I just started Manifest. Um... Uh, about five or six episodes in because it just wrapped on Netflix and uh, I'm not proud of this, but I don't watch a show until it's done. Uh, yeah, I know that it has like an ending, a serviceable ending to it. It's a, it's the rare TV show that I will watch on a cliffhanger. Um, but uh, I'm enjoying manifest so far and it's, it has a lot of the kind of the, the same energy as lost. If you've not seen lost, it's my favorite television show. I cannot, um, I cannot recommend it to, to folks enough. Uh, Jeremy, are we going to do something wacky for episode 200? Uh, there is a 200th episode planned with someone special. I'm just nailing down the information right now. Wacky will probably be episode 199. So that's what I will say about that. I'm still, I'm still coordinating. We we are, we are barreling forward to, to 200. And I've, it's, it's interesting trying to line it all up. Because if I have the guest that I want to have uh, for it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to um, to coordinate for sure. Teresa MC, do you have in your collection models to scale to show their size comparison if they were actual size? I do not. I just have the space for them to fit on my on my shelf. There is a Stargate ship scale map. Um, you can you can Google it. It's um it's it's pretty legit and of course I can't pull it up but um let's see if I can pull this up here and it's it's a postage stamp in size but let me let me show you this real quick so there are there are assets that you can get online that that do show those I just don't happen to to have um, yeah I they were they were built for shelf size not so much for um for scale with one another I think that's what we have here for everybody. Thank you so much for for tuning in to Dial the Gate. And thanks again to uh, Steve Basic for joining me. Um, Thanks so much for Anthony for uh, moderating this episode, for making the show possible. Uh, To my producer, Linda Gate-Gabber-Fury, and my my webmaster, Frederick Mark Koo, who keeps Dial the Gate up and running. Uh, This coming week, I'm planning to have... Uh, Gwyneth Walsh coming on to uh, talk about her role as Egeria, 
That's going to be a pre-recorded episode. She's not going to be uh, on live for that. That's currently slated for this coming Saturday, June the 17th uh, at 11 Pacific. I may move it around depending on uh, who else I get because I want to line up the runway for 200. Stargate Trivia 9, hosted by Colin Cunningham. That's going to be this Saturday, June the 17th at noon Pacific time. Rob Fournier, the armorer, uh, one of the armorers for Stargate SG-1 Atlantis in Universe, next, the following Saturday, June the 24th at 12 noon. And of course, on June the 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific, Wormhole Extremist is going to be back uh, for learning curve and point of view. That's all the news. That's fit to print. I appreciate you tuning in. Um, this, uh, this, this series is just continuing to grow and I appreciate everyone for, for watching. Thanks again to Steve, Steve basic for making this episode possible. My name is David Reed for dial the gate and I'll see you on the other side. Dial the gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Dial the Gate.